So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas got their, niggas put it got their permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? I just said I, that's I, my I, hero. You gonna hold him on the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. Man, I have one. Get done. Get By the time you hear this podcast, you'll just be staying alive. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. Oh, wait, hold on. One more time. 
I'm Ben. There we go. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Just trying to stay alive, man. Trying yeah, to stay man, alive. That's what we're trying to do. We all trying to do that. Uh, welcome to another episode. By the time you hear this podcast, episode 198. Oh. As we enter our way towards episode 200. Thank you to everyone who's <laughs> thank you to everyone who's <laughs> listened and downloaded so far. We appreciate it. And if you're watching this on the live stream, we are remote once again. Um, yeah, yeah. I figured out what I'm doing over here. So <laughs> gas is expensive, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> it seems like the price is going down, but it's just like just compared to maybe a couple of weeks before, you know. If we see, oh, gas is three thirty five over here. Yeah, it was three sixty five two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's, it's it still doesn't high. matter if it was. It was already high. <laughs> it's still <laughs> it was high. Super high. <laughs> Record highs. Uh, and and sorry for those uh, those from California. You know, dreaming oh. of the days when gas gas could be three thirty five again. Uh, anything under four dollars, pretty much five dollars, six, seven dollars. <laughs> Hold on, let's see here. Average gas price. Oh yeah, of course California comes up. Four eighty three. Five dollars. Oh Jesus. That was a month ago. A year ago was five seventy four. So yeah, I'm I'm sure they would they would just absolutely kill for some four dollar <laughs> gas right now. They don't even know what that is. <laughs> Never heard of it. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um so everyone who's uh listened, downloaded so far, we appreciate it. And um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to keep this. Uh, we're gonna try this remote thing for a little bit. Um, yeah. We. Uh, yeah. It's it. I, I like I said. I figured <laughs> out what I'm doing over here. So. Um, yeah. This 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 can work. So um, let's get into some music news. Uh, shortly before um, started recording, I was telling Ben that. Uh, at the NFL draft last week, <laughs> Motley Crue performed, and uh, some people had some mixed reactions. I wasn't the only thing I, I my only comment about it mainly was, "What's their connection to Kansas City?" <laughs> Otherwise, um, why Motley Crue <laughs> performing at the NFL draft? Uh, Maybe they were available. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> that <was> it. <laughs> or, oh, or maybe they were willing to do it because apparently, if the NFL treats it the same as they do with the Super Bowl halftime show, then they weren't. Um, then they weren't paid. They were just hoping for Ugh. some some boost on the streams and the album sales for whoever still buys one. Where would you even see a Motley Crue album in a store? Is it at Walmart or Target? Do they still sell music at Walmart? They do. They do. Okay. I. I the the CD I section I is getting noticed. smaller and smaller, but they still sell CDs. <laughs> I mean, if so, of course it's going to be edited. And I guess I don't well, know. Did they I have? Just... Did they have the sticker on it? I don't know. I mean, they were. If they don't, the if they don't so have maybe. the sticker, then it was not edited. Only if they have the sticker. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where else. I mean, definitely not Kmart because those aren't really around anymore. Uh, the last maybe, one I saw was in Carrollton, and I don't know if it's still open. <laughs> there was one that was in Austell, and they closed it. And the last time I was there, they just parked the um, the Amazon trucks there. 
Fucking, it was it was kind of bittersweet. It's like you know, you know that bought by me. your own demise. You know that reminds me. Um, I think I, I'm. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast before. I may have told you before, but um, in Pontiac, Michigan, my grandmother lived literally across the street from the Silverdome. Oh wow! Literally across the street. So the one time I got to go to a Lions game at the Silverdome, it was on a Thanksgiving because they play every Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We went to the game and we just walked across the street <laughs> to the to cool. the to the dome. But when it got, you know, the Lions moved to Ford Field and the stadium was abandoned. And some people um tried to buy it and just tried to like repurpose it as a concert venue. Mm-hmm. And um those those deals fell through. So eventually they imploded it and you know it was torn down and everything, but it was replaced by an Amazon distribution. Uh, of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too big for their own britches. That's what I say. Um, but uh, yeah, with uh, Motley Crue performing at the NFL draft, um, I think some people had some complaints about whether they were lip syncing or, um, uh, I, there was another story I saw. <laughs> Yeah, they I'm were accused of lip syncing and um then there were some stories about like why they aren't in the Hall of Fame and this has been going on for at least 4 years. <clears throat> so this article that came out last week um from the things.com uh, they are banned from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for bad behavior despite many inductees guilty of actual crimes. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that's the that's the name of the article. <laughs> actual crimes. Yeah. Yes. So um, this is so stupid. Sorry, I'm holding my laptop here as I try to pull up the article. But uh, you know, Motley Crue, the head of the you know, well, one of the big bands of the the hair metal movement. Uh, there is a movie about them on Netflix. I wonder if that was, you know, we talk about when we talk about Chicago, that that documentary was like their campaign to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Was that Netflix movie the same thing? Was that a similar similar goal? I don't know, but I could. I'd have to watch the movie just to see how um, how what's the word pandering? I guess I don't know because like we of course we covered the Chicago documentary on this pod and to what like at first I was like oh this here's the history some great freaking music because Chicago is awesome but by the time you got to the end it was fairly obvious yeah there was just like hey man why aren't they in the rock and roll hall of fame like it was very <laughs> obvious like, so it, <laughs> so it was just like, someone asking hey you know what yeah you know what in the rock- why is that <laughs> and then just look at the screen <laughs> <laughs> So I'd have to see for this movie how preachy it gets towards the end because like if it ends with them playing like some huge concert where you just have people like talk about how much of an influence they were on them, then yeah, probably that's it. Like if it's like, you know, fast forward 20 years later, you're right. (laughs) And it's just like, dude, did you hear Cruise back on tour? The Cruise back on tour? Dude. That's why I play music, and it's like some you know, like famous person or something. Then yeah, that's their bid to get. 
<laughs> so I guess I don't know. We have to watch it and see. Um, so when there was a, I don't know how long they've been doing like the fan vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but in 2019, Motley Crue got the most votes as far as the fan vote. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> Cleveland.com published an article about them not getting in despite getting the fan vote. Uh, and Nikki six, um, they talked to him and, uh, he, he was said that he said that they were told that they will never be inducted into the hall of fame for a reason. Uh, we were told by the hall of fame, we would never get in because of how we acted. So that's kind of it. So <laughs> are they the Barry Bonds of music at this point? Like they're just, there's no good reason to not let them in. And the reason yeah. that you're using. It won't be because of something they might've done that we're not sure that you have actual proof of because keep yeah. in mind y'all baseball fans, Barry Bonds never tested positive for any. Beyond that. And I'm not going to try to turn this into a baseball podcast. But didn't he have like a couple of MVPs before he started quote unquote juicing? He had three MVPs. Well, at and least he had two. At least like two. Gold gold gloves. If we he's a Hall of Famer based on just his years in Pittsburgh, yes. which is like eight years. Like the guy was, let's not forget, he was one of the people that it was a flex to strike out in rookie of the year. Like he was a good player. Like, that's what kills me. It's like, okay, fine. Ignore the issues in San Francisco. But he's you know still what? one of the best players we've ever if seen. He did do it. I mean, it's likely <laughs> that he did. But the reason he did do it is because y'all made him. Yeah, y'all, y'all the fans. Him. Y'all the fans and y'all Major League Baseball. Yeah. With Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting all those home runs, summer of '98, and Barry Bonds statistically was still better than them because he had a better batting average, better slugging percentage. He mm-hmm. didn't strike out as much. He got walked a whole lot more because <laughs> pitchers yeah. were more afraid of him than they were of those guys. He's like, oh, well, this is what I got to do to uh, get the MVP again. I got to do steroids. You know what? That's what, uh, was it Greg Maddox said it in that commercial? Chicks Chick did, did the long, long ball. ball. Yeah, they do. They, they did the long ball. <laughs> But and that's all I'll say on that. But I, I do think that fans are wondering why he's not in it. Like it's the it's basically the Hall of Fame and sports writers at this point. Because fans, yeah. I see fans question it every day. That it, it doesn't make sense. Um. So yeah. yeah. Uh, in this case, um, this makes no sense. Like Chuck Berry, we can go through yeah, this. Chuck yeah. Berry, a lot of people, Jerry would Lewis, do. and they and they even if like they didn't commit crimes. Maybe they've done a far, far worse things um, that I guess they didn't um, uh, get arrested for. Um, yeah. Like you said, with Chuck Berry, um, Aerosmith. Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, um, Elvis. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so many. You could so say many. James Brown. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, yeah. like, yeah, he did some pretty shit. <laughs> Crazy things. Yeah, it's just none of these people are innocent. So I, it's just weird that this is the band that you take the stand on. Yeah. 
Oh, and in this article, who do they put the first the first bands they point out? First uh, artist they point out, Chuck Berry, um, <laughs> uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Uh, well, those, those are like those the, the easy those ones. The, those are the main two right there. But yeah, because of their behavior, I mean, is it from how they acted on tour? Is it because I don't know if it was Nikki Six or one of the other members who actually like died and had to be brought back to life because of an overdose, and then um, made an album about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're they're banned from the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I don't know. Well, maybe you could look at other uh, artists. Maybe their resume is iffy at best. But the reason why I bring them up is because the recent Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class was announced. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, here's who is in. We have Kate Bush. Uh, the, the Stranger Things placement had to have helped. <laughs> I feel bad because that's probably all people will know her for. Yeah, that, sadly. Uh, <laughs> we also have Rage Against the Machine. That was a long time coming. When were they? I guess I would, I would want to be eligible. Uh, they were probably, they, I think they've been eligible for a few years. So. Um, <clears throat> And they're just so quintess- yeah. they're so essential to what rock was for the next, you could say, I guess, twenty years. Yeah, really, with that mix of them and you know the Chili Peppers, with and that mix of to, rap and rock. For them to like break through uh, the new metal, what was con- I think they were lumped in with all the new <clears throat> metal acts. That- yeah, even though they were long before them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were around before them, yeah, for sure. Uh, we have Missy Elliott. The first female rapper to be inducted. Hey, hey. And we have George Michael. Posthumous. We have Cheryl Crow. That one's interesting. <laughs> I I really like her, but I don't know if she's someone that I would would have considered Hall of Fame worthy. You know, yeah. like she's not someone that I feel. And I guess maybe you could say this about Motley Crue. Like, I think of it like, God, who was it? Was it Gilbert Arenas that said it? No, Deion Sanders. You changed the game. You know, it's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Fame. Did you change the game? And as good as Sheryl Crow was, what has she ever done that just, like, is defining, you know? I mean, we know some songs. but I, And I say this is a huge... Cheryl Crow fan, and I can't, and I still think that's kind of iffy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we gonna let Matchbox Twenty in? No offense to Matchbox Twenty, <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, you could argue that Matchbox Twenty was as successful or more than her. I don't know, but that's just that one seems that one just seems odd, you know. We also have uh, <laughs> Willie Nelson, who I thought was in already, but same, yeah. and that's someone who you could consider. One of the greats, you know, kind of a game changer. One of the early, um, you know, what I think it outlaw is? country artists. Why I finally think he got in, like he just turned ninety years old, I believe. Yeah, we were just talking about that the other day too. Uh, I think he finally got in <clears> because <throat> he said he stopped smoking weed for his health. 
So that's like, what it's after hearing what they about. did to that's what they did to Motley Crue. Maybe this is what he was like, hey, bro. It's like we're banning Motley Crue. You got a shot <laughs> if you put down the pot. <laughs> Had to put down the pot. Uh, we also have uh, the spinners. Uh, also, Shaka Khan. Okay. Yeah, Shaka Khan is in. Bernie Toppin, uh, longtime collaborator with Elton John. Uh, Al Cooper, I'm not sure who that is, but he's. Uh, they'll, they all will receive the Musical Excellence um, <clears throat> Award. Uh, DJ Cool Herc. Um, as we come up on the 50th anniversary of hip hop, one of the early great uh, DJs is getting inducted. And help me out here. I think you would know Link Ray. What what band was he a part of? I know that name. Hold on. I know that name sounds very, very familiar. He's a guitar player. Link Ray and the Raymond. I don't think I know him as much as I thought I, I like I thought I would. Ace of Spades. I doubt that's a cover. What is he famous for? Oh, that's where I heard of him. He's created the power chord. <laughs> Which is like the staple in rock music. The power chord is like the is the the, the fifth chord. So like your root, your fifth, and your root. Hmm. Like anything that you're like junk, 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 junk. It's like a power chord. So yeah. Okay. That's why I know his name. Yeah. All right, works for me. And also, um, Don Cornelius. Nice. So hold on, are there? Because I'm seeing on their website, I guess these are just the nominees. So we've got these no, are the ones you're reading are the inductees. These are the inductees. Okay, okay. I was reading the nominees. Okay, because I see a couple of nominees who did not get in that I thought should have got in. So, uh, who do you see that did not <clears throat> get in? Uh, so a snub, I would say a tribe called Quest. Hmm. Um, Iron Maiden. Hmm. Yeah, Soundgarden. Very surprised Soundgarden didn't get in, considering they helped usher in an entire change um, in mood of rock music. And I'm not a fan of the White Stripes, so I'm not going to say them, but Warren Zevon, he's he's such an interesting case. Warren Zevon. Like... Not a superstar, but he's kind of like, he's like an Andre 3000 in that sense of he's your favorite songwriter's favorite songwriter. Hmm. You know, like he's, you know, his the big song was what, Werewolves in London? Yeah. Which is just the, the, the silliest song ever. But like, he had a lot of other songs that just have a, have a lot of respect. And that's the only way I can put it. Like he's, he's held very highly, and I'm not a huge fan but he's held in high regard in a lot of circles. So I'm very surprised he didn't make it in there. And also, uh, Cindy Lauper didn't, is, did not get in. And Joy Division slash New Order, because it's the same people. Um, yeah. Also, so are we letting in Cheryl Crow or Iron Maiden? I don't. That's, and I don't, I, I don't think we talked about <clears throat> it last year, but the last year's nom, uh, class included Dolly Parton, uh, Eminem. Duran Duran, Pat Benatar, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, and Eurythmics. 
uh, Duran Duran mm. definitely would have been my nominee for uh, will the entire band show up? <laughs> <laughs> and this year, um, is there a such nominee? Well, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, by default, but still, it, does, yeah. does Zach perform with him anymore? <laughs> I think they recently all got back together because there's been this really big push over the last year to year and a half of Gen Xers who are just now realizing what the machine is <laughs> and they're a part of it. So like, they're just that's like disappointing. If it's a Gen it, Xer it, no, just figuring it, it out, that's disappointing. The Gen X, there are so many, I'm telling you so many people between the ages of like 40 to 50 to 55 who are like, when did Rage Against Machine get political? <laughs> so that's like, I think you can put them in the same category as like, Things that have been like whitewashed or like just watered down, like the the um, I think we said the uh, what is it the um, Bob Marley poster on yeah. the wall every college every college dorm yeah um the Rage Against Machine can go right behind it because it's just like who did you think they were saying we won't do what you tell us like who did you think they were <laughs> who did you think they were talking rally around the family with a pocket full of shells like they're the most political lyrics ever. Like, that's one thing you can say about Rage Against Machine. They don't hide it at all. Like, you know, some people are surprised to find out that, like, Creed is a Christian band. Because they're like, all right, guys, if you want to make this bread, we got to kind of hide this. Like, no, like, Tom Morello's guitar says, arm the homeless. They don't hide this. They don't hide it at all. Um, what was that other lyric? Riding down Rodell with the shotgun. These people ain't seen a brown-skinned man since their grandparents bought one. I don't know how else <laughs> you can tell people that you are political. I don't know how else. Like, if you thought they wouldn't support Black Lives Matter, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just don't know what to tell you. But yeah, yeah, they didn't. They're getting mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah and i say that as a someone who was you know in that era of them I was, I was a big fan had battle of los angeles which is an album we probably should cover one day i wouldn't be i wouldn't i wouldn't mind covering that album it's a great album but um yeah they're they've always been but yeah gen xers dude yeah it's, it's the weirdest thing that, it's the weirdest that's thing. that's a a strange place to have a blind spot yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so uh congratulations to the inductees um yes, yes. hopefully hopefully uh all of rage shows up um <laughs> so we talked about uh it was a couple episodes ago about uh frank ocean uh and <laughs> whatever that was at coachella and uh a fan <laughs> has been given a cease and desist over the footage of his show. Uh, as we talked about before, <laughs> YouTube was going to live stream it and then suddenly they canceled the live stream. So there was one user, I don't know if it's the same one uh, that we had talked about, but um, oh no, this was this was another person who did a live stream uh, on, I think they went on Instagram live and uh, recorded the whole thing or most of it. Um, but this is a different user. Um, 
uh, the on the Anschutz Entertainment Group (AEG Worldwide) officially issued a cease and desist to an LA-based filmmaker after he created and shared a video of Frank Ocean's entire Coachella set. Uh, a fan of Frank Ocean named Brian Kennis, who didn't attend the festival, but perused through numerous YouTube clips from other fans to cultivate a film of the footage. It's clever. And following an upload of the set, AEG, who was the parent company of Coachella, ordered it to be taken down over copyright claims. Kenneth started sending it directly to fans via Dropbox and Google Drive. <laughs> when oh, that Lord. happened, be careful, Google, because they'll delete it. <laughs> which led to the cease and desist order. Uh, and he says, I'm just combining what's already publicly available. Essentially, their claims are pretty frivolous and almost completely baseless. And he claims he is not profiting from the film. Uh, he yes. says, I'm not concerned with any legal repercussions because I do not plan on making a single penny from it. I will continue to upload it in places that their legal team will not be able to find. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. if I should tell that to a reporter, but it, it deserves to exist online. And it said it took him about 80 hours to put the film together. Uh, and he did it from 450 videos from 300 people. Wow. Um, he downloaded 450 videos from 300 people and used around <clears throat> 150 videos for the final product. Um, so, yeah, what do you th what do you think of that, of him putting together the a live stream? It's kind of like that. Um, we may have mentioned it before or maybe. uh um, one of the mats. It was probably Graf that uh mentioned with the uh the Beastie Boys um concert film. Hey, I shot that or something. <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah, um, that would be a good one to cover too. If Matt's down, if you're listening, I don't know if you are, but that'd be a cool one to cover. Yeah, um, there are a lot of concert films out there that I think we should consider. Uh, that's, that, that's an interesting one because of the concept of it. It was just like, you know, all these fan videos that we're going to piece it all together. Because mm -hmm. um, I think yeah. they did that and so did for a music video. Um, Stone Temple Pilots did as well for Give It Away. They just gave people, it was around the same time. I think this is cool though. Um, and, and I guess for me, I guess, of course, you know, maybe they're concerned that Either A, this is putting Frank Ocean in a, in a bad light, or B, this guy's going to try to profit off of it. And in either, in either case, you know, they have a duty to the client to, like, not let either of those happen. So I get why they're doing it, but in this I mean, day and age... In that case, you, I mean, you could... You have... you Wouldn't you... I guess mm -hmm. to make it consistent, or to make it fair, or whatever, you have to do that for anyone who recorded anything from that set. Like get their get those videos deleted first, because. Um, I guess yeah, because this isn't anything he did. He just put it together. Yeah. With already existing material. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. So, um, and everyone knows the set was bad. <laughs> but there are so many but... people who are hungry. There are people who are hungry enough for you know Frank Ocean performance that they'll watch any Frank Ocean performance. It's like people who watch the XFL and USFL because American people will watch any football. How do you really feel, Greg? <laughs> I I don't disagree. <laughs> it's just 
I've tried to watch it and it seems interesting enough, you know. Don't do that. Don't no. Don't don't Oh, don't when I say try it. to watch it, I was just I was in between like, hey, the Sixers game and the Celtics game is on commercial. Let's see what's <laughs> going on over here. <laughs> like their 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 championship game is uh next week, I think. And Stop I didn't it, even real? know the XFL championship. Yeah. Is Motley Crue performing at that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that seems about their speed. You know what? Since since The Rock owns the league, I feel like he would perform that the one song he has, um, he would perform that song. It'd be like a Special Jackie Moon type situation. Oh God. <laughs> With the USFL, I don't know what they did for if they had what kind of halftime show they had. It's already a weird league when <clears throat> during that the last year, because he, he plays for the Cowboys now, at least I still think he does. Kevante Turpin was named MVP. Kevante Turpin, kick returner. He won MVP Ow. returning kicks and punts. That's how bad that league is. If their game is going to be on July 1st, 2023. That's when theirs will be. Bo Scarborough was in that? Oh, wow. He's still, he's, huh. he's still trying to make it. Okay. Good for him. <laughs> uh, the Birmingham Stallions, um, I guess they beat the Philadelphia Stars. So That was last year, right? Yeah, that was in 2022. I don't yeah. see a, um, I don't. I, I guess don't, it just I don't wasn't think in the budget. They haven't started there. Oh, as far as who the halftime show was? <laughs> yeah, I guess it just wasn't in the budget. Jamar, yeah. oh, Jamar Smith. I was like, Jamar Chase, what? Hello, Black Days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I uh, with with the way that this was, I mean, I understand. Like, I agree with you with saying that AG has to, you know, uh, do right by their client by issuing the cease and desist. But what's the? You're just saving them from embarrassment. There is no money being lost. Uh, not not because of the video being out there. I mean, it, this, this happened, uh, but is it going to affect his career? Um, I think in a small way, like I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Frank ocean. And in, in regards to if I, (laughs) if I I like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting around for the next Frank project, but, um, I'm, I'm, but I am in the the times up camp because like, what what is this as far as your not to not to some people may like kind of leap to the shut up and dribble kind of thing, but it's more like, <laughs> do you want to do this or not? No, I agree. Listen, should I, should I get the pot? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, no, if it's... not, okay, fine. Yeah, well, I, mean, I still the, think like, he... but to. I guess you're frustrating your maybe frustrating your audience by not um I don't know by it seems like you're not taking it seriously. Like so are you gonna be serious about this or not? I still think he just might be a tad bit overrated. Um Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, maybe he's not he's not like the weekend, you know? 
Like, he's just a dude that he sings. I have no clue if he plays anything. Not saying that you have to play something to be good, but, like, how much of an active role does he take in making his own music? You know, one of the songs I hear people say is one of his best songs is a song that he just basically used the entire music line of Hotel California. Mm. You know, Novocaine for the Soul. Like, it's just, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't dislike his music. But like, don't get, like my favorite song by him is a song I don't even think he wrote, which is "Sweet Life." Like that's Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I have to wonder: is he just like a person that people have just put on a pedestal as being better than he really is? Yeah. Oh. And I guess I say that too as not his target audience, not a huge fan. So you know, I don't want to insult the guy. This might be a preview of a, a an episode we should do soon, but market correction. Market correction for Frank Ocean is the weekend, right? Well, I think the weekend was was here first, though. Frank was Ocean he? probably trying to market correct. I don't know, because uh, I want to think. Uh, in first, uh, not album, but mixtape was two thousand eleven. What that was. Uh, Nostalgia Ultra, or um, what was the weekend's first one called? House of Balloons? Yeah. Was that the first one? Mm-hmm. First mixtape. Was, oh God, so they were right, they're right around each other. So okay. Nostalgia Ultra came out February 16th, 2011, and House of Balloons, March 21st, 2011. Like, they were right there. <laughs> hmm. Just right there with each other, which is wild. And now the weekend is literally one of the biggest stars in the world, and Frank Ocean is doing karaoke at Coachella. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to send a uh, condolences and a rest in peace to the. Uh, to Gordon Lightfoot. Um, when Stop I, it, really? Yeah, he, he passed away um, uh, on Monday. He was oh, 84 wow. years old. Um, anytime I hear the name, uh, I don't know if you remember that comedian uh, Stephen Lynch had a uh, mm-hmm. special on Comedy Central. He's, <laughs> he's a, one who makes songs, um, makes comedic songs. And he was in the Broadway version of The Wedding Singer. Okay. Much. But uh, I just remember every time I hear the name Gordon Lightfoot, it, he he made a song in the style of Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> and uh, when he was talking about, you know, when he's about to do the song, he's like, yeah, so I listened to many artists like, um, like James Taylor and Gordon Lightfoot. Kids, <laughs> can you say Gordon Lightfoot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because it is a fun name to say. <laughs> it is. I love. I love the name. Uh, so he, yeah, he passed away on Monday. Um, let's see what if there was a. Uh, he died of natural causes. That's what it says. Uh, yeah, he was eighty-four years old. Um. And uh, one of the 
one of his most famous songs is If You Could Read My Mind. And the first time I heard that song, of course, was on an episode of Cold Case. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, which I did find. It's on HBO Max now. For how long, though? Because I, I, it's David, been there for a while. Well, that, that new CEO, David Zaslov, whatever his name is, he's doing an overhaul of HBO Max. So... Yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be there. And the reason why I meant to mention this too, you know, uh, for those listening, with the show Cold Case, they used a lot of popular music because it was like a period show, <laughs> like solving old crimes, and they used music to kind of establish a previous time. And uh, that was they got the rights to use the music while it was on TV, but they didn't get the rights to use the music on DVD or streaming. That's why the show has never been released on DVD. And I think it was like sometime last year that it got put on streaming and it's on HBO Max. But none of the songs are there? The songs are there. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I was like, that's got it. That's the biggest thing that's got it. That's so expensive to do. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you and, gotta and, get the rights all and it has to be because like they weren't thinking about that at the time, like getting streaming. Yeah, no one was rights. thinking about that. No. So and most are thinking about syndication. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new thing, so. Um, but yeah, Which is that's, why we have a writer strike right now. They don't think about yeah, you know, down they, the road. Yeah. Uh, was it midnight? Yeah, midnight, a, like look. this morning, midnight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think what will happen is any new episodes that have been filmed, those would air if they've been shot. Yeah. They would air, but there won't be any like new episodes of any show until it's resolved that's what that's what happened i think that was like 15 years ago yeah um, there was one we were still in school because i know um heroes a lot of shows got screwed over um, i know the, uh, the had, office like, was one seasons. of them um snl was definitely one and i was watching um seth meyers uh his, his closer look segment put they put it up on youtube and mm -hmm. at the end of the segment he talked a little bit about the writer strike he's like well if you know, if we don't come to a deal, then um, then we will be on hiatus. <laughs> uh, you know, I support I'm a writer and I support the writers. So um, yeah. and there are a lot of people, even the, the people that I know from uh, that are in the theater world. You know, it's kind of the, the same thing with them. They are um, they're supporting the writers. Yep. And it's just basically <laughs> about them trying to get more uh, a, a little bigger piece of the pie. That's what it yeah. looks like to me. They're just trying to, you know, make sure they're properly compensated for all they do because there are there there's still a lot of money being made um, in movies and television and with streaming. There are bigger budgets there. You know, yep. there's a lot of money going <laughs> around. And if the writers feel like they're not getting compensated, then they're going to um, they're going to go back and, you know, ask for that, <laughs> like, as they uh, should, as they should, you know, so they're just trying yeah. to get what they deserve. That's all. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that will, uh, um, do a far music news there. So before we get to the charts, Ben, why don't you tell us about your cover song <laughs> of the week? Ooh. <laughs> uh, so it is kiss the girl by Ashley Tisdale. Yes, that kissed the girl. Um, I heard this when I was back at West Georgia when, um, for some reason, they, they did like a Disney covers album. I think like Miley Cyrus did um, Part of Your World 
which really made me mad because that's that is actually my favorite song from the Little Mermaid, but the cover was so bad I can't listen to it. And I actually don't here. like Kiss the Girl from um I don't like Kiss the Girl from Little Mermaid, but I like this version. So So yeah. um who else is on here? When she loved me, that's from Toy Story, I think. Mm. Um Hayden Panettiere does Corella <clears throat> Deville. Oh goodness, I forgot she tried uh, to be a singer. Vanessa Hudgens does Colors of the Wind. Ew. <laughs> what? Uh, the Go-Go's do Let's Get Together. Is that the... Uh, I don't know if that's the Can Heat song. That can't be it. I'm not sure. No, that's a different... That's a different song. I don't know. I don't know what movie that is. It is Parent Trap. Oh, Okay. I have not seen any any version of the Parent Trap. Um, the Siamese Cat song by B Five. That's from oh, the geez. Aristocats. Yeah, that's a that song. Like a lot of things, in the movie we're going to discuss has not aged well. Hmm. All right, so uh, <laughs> we're going to play <laughs> "Kiss the Girl" by Ashley Tisdale, and we'll be right back. segment we go through the first verse i just i miss that era of of um girl driven pop rock mm. like i missed that era it's it was ah yeah um still no playlist for that segment one day um so let's get to the charts so uh still number one um well, it was it was number two last week. I think we said it was number two last week, but yeah, I think Kill back. Bill had overtaken it, and now it's back. Yeah. yeah, number one again this week. Last night by Morgan Wallen. Number two, which was number one last week, Kill Bill by SZA. Number three, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Number four, Ella Baila Sola by Esteban Armado and Peso Pluma. Number five. Um, wait, how would this be Oof. pronounced? Good luck. It's a lot of different letters and numbers in this. 
This looks like Elon Musk's daughter's name, dude. This is rough. <laughs> <laughs> Un X102. Uh, I don't know what the actual title is supposed to be, but that is by Grupo Frontera and Bad Bunny. Number six, uh, Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. Number seven, Creepin' by Metro Boomin, The Weeknd and 21 Savage. Number eight, Die For You by The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. Number nine, The Boy's a Liar. Uh, Boys a Liar Part 2, sorry, Pink Panthers and Ice Spice. And number 10, Antihero by Taylor Swift. Um, I don't think I've listened to any of those songs. I've listened to a couple. Let's look at the Billboard 200. So number one, still number one, uh, <laughs> One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. We're in the midst of it. We're in the midst of of this of this run, everyone, we're in the midst of it. Get used to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Eight weeks and number one. Number Just enjoy greatness, people. <laughs> number two. <laughs> number two. D Day by August D. I'm not familiar with this artist. Uh, debuting at number two. Debuting at number three. Folklore: The Long Pond Studio Sessions by Taylor Swift. This is considered different from folklore. Uh, what? I'm guessing maybe it's a live album or something that she did. Yeah, it's a live album. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. Um, it's accompanying a special on Disney Plus. Um, oh, I, okay. so this is a 2020 American documentary concert film. And now the album, I guess they're releasing it as an album too. Okay. Uh, number four, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Number five, Don't Try This at Home by Youngboy NBA. Number six, SOS by SZA. Number seven, Dangerous the Double Album by Morgan Wallen. Number eight, Getting Old by Luke Combs. Number nine, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. And number 10, Lover by Taylor Swift. Hmm. So is she trying to come for the crown? Three albums. Three in the top in 10. In the top 10. Wow. Um, August D is a South Korean rapper. So, yeah. All right. So we got some Korean rap in there. Uh, num- uh, now we're at the Artist 100. And uh, apparently she is coming for the crown because number one this week is Taylor Swift in the mm-hmm. Artist 100. It's got a, a top 10 song and three top 10 <laughs> albums. <laughs> uh, number Just two. did the, what, two sold out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, number two, Morgan Wallen. Number three, in his second week ever on this chart, August D. Uh, number four, Luke Combs. Number five, SZA. Number six, The Weeknd. Number seven, Drake. Number eight, Peso Pluma. Number nine, Miley Cyrus. And number 10, Metallica. Uh, Metallica just came out with a new album, right? Yeah. Okay. I haven't checked it out yet, but I, I probably will. Um, yeah, at some point. So, yeah, that will uh, do it for our our music news. Uh, so, Ben, tell us about your Earworm of the Week. Um, so, I, I'd be lying if I knew anything, said anything else by this band, but the name of the band is called Say Anything, and the name of the song is Alive, The Glory of Love. Um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of like a semi kind of pop punk band. They sound like they're from Boston, but I have no clue. But it's, it's a song that I, I want to think was fed to me by Spotify on one of those lists they'd be making for you. And um, I just love they're this song. From, it's a really fun song. They're from L.A. Stop it. They just they sound like an East Coast band. Yeah, they sound you could almost say they kind of sound like the Dropkick Murphys. But yeah, I mean, minus like, you know, the horn. So they're not ska, but they have a lot of kind of a, that East Coast New England punk sound. So. All right. Well, this is uh, Alive with the Glory of Love by Say Anything. And we'll be right back. With the glory of love, I say anything. Yeah, they just don't sound. <laughs> they do not sound like an LA band to me. From their album "Is a Real Boy" from 2005. Good for them, though. Yeah. I, yeah, I would have never picked them as a West Coast band, though. So, um, you can find that on our BTTYHT Earworms playlist right now. And um, we started this episode with the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. And it is from the um, what would you, what, what, how would we categorize this soundtrack? I mean, as far as like it's greatness um uh, 
maybe I always like to say seminal, but that's overused. It, well, that could be overused. I'm trying to think of something, you know. Uh, Let's find a synonym. A synonym for because I mean it's it's influential and and just mm, let's see. Uh, influential, formative, uh, groundbreaking. I don't know if it was groundbreaking, Pioneer. but it was imaginative. It was imaginative. It was important. It was major. Yeah. One of those. But <laughs> yeah, one of those. That, that thing. That thing. <laughs> uh, from the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever, and we'll be talking about the film Saturday Night Fever and a little bit about the, the soundtrack as well. Um, this movie came out in 1977, starring John Travolta. Um, is this the most Italian we've ever seen him act? <laughs> I've never seen Welcome Back, Cotter, so I can't speak to that. But like he was, yeah. This was this was while he was still doing the show, and this kind of yeah. this is this is the film that kind of put him on the map. Um, I know briefly when we I know when we uh, talked about the Kenny G documentary with HBO's Music Box series, they had another documentary about Robert Stigwood, who is basically the guy who put John Travolta, who made him a star, who made John mm -hmm. Travolta a star because he also produced Grease. Um, but uh, this is while Travolta was doing Welcome Back, Cotter. And then after the movie came out, I don't, I don't think he was on very many episodes after that because. <laughs> uh, or was too big. He, he was too big. He was too big. Definitely. Um uh, John Travolta was also nominated for his first Oscar for the for his performance in the film. Um, so it is a film based on a based on a New York Times article. Yeah. Um, the uh, the tribal it? rights of the new uh -huh. of the new Saturday Night, uh, written by music writer Nick Cohn. Um, he but we found out he basically fabricated most of it. Because he didn't know anything about <laughs> the lifestyle, so we kind of made things up. Um, but uh, it's it is a, a movie of its time, like because we you know we talked about before about a film like Breaking and Breaking Two, which is about mm -hmm. you know you're seeing kind of a snapshot of a culture. Yeah, and this is another one of those kinds of films where it's a snapshot of a culture, uh, like of its time, and you know before, like I said, we talked about how like promiscuous everyone was. This is before we knew anything about AIDS or any STDs. Yeah. Um we talked about um, with the uh, the 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 way everyone dressed was of its time, of course, the music. Is oh, of the its time. bell bottoms, the shirts, disco everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was, it was a snapshot of its time. Like over time you would, you know, you would recognize that. But back then this was, uh, this was kind of what the, what, what the world was at the time, what everyone was yeah. about as far as, um, what they wanted to do, like you know, the main character Tony, he's twenty years old, um, and he goes to work, but at night 
he he's 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 a star. Trying to let me say he's a superstar. He is a superstar. At the 2001 Odyssey, bruh, (laughs) he can do no wrong. He is a a, a celebrity. Definitely a local celebrity at the club. They talked about Walt Frazier. You're the Walt Frazier of that club. (laughs) Yeah. They wanted to go see the Knicks play. You know, we we go dancing on Saturday night. We go see the Knicks on Sunday night or something. (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's just... Yeah, it, it it felt very New York. Everything yeah. about it. I don't think another part of the country ever gets mentioned. <laughs> like no. everything is it, just it's, it's different parts of New York, and, and yeah, they really oh, they're just coming in from Manhattan. About, they just talk about Manhattan and Brooklyn. The end. Yep, <laughs> that is it. Nothing, nothing else exists. <laughs> nothing else exists. And of course, he's from Brooklyn, so yeah. Yeah. So. Um, they said it came out in 1977. Um, the soundtrack is one of the greatest uh, ever produced. Thank you to the Bee Gees on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if they didn't write all the songs, they wrote most of them. <laughs> so um, I got some notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the movie's a, a little under two hours. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it got dark very fast. Uh, toward the end, but we'll get to that. Um, I'll um, a term that I heard from Van Lathan on the Rewatchables podcast about um, Iron Man. They were talking about Robert Downey Jr.'s character, uh, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. They called him Pre Two because before the Me Too movement, Pre Two. <laughs> Tony is Tony. This movie is definitely Pre Two. This uh, yeah, this whole sure. era is Pre Two. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, as far as how yeah. women were treated, uh, racial mm-hmm. slurs galore. Oh God! Um, like just mm. I wasn't expecting that, but like, well, it's nor will I. It's nor was time, I. So I'm not one who try to you know retroactively cancel somebody uh, over something. So <laughs> all right, so like mentioning that because there was. So it's Songs of the South. Um, I believe it was Songs of the South. Or was, I think that's the movie. On AMC, they wanted to take out the bad parts. And I saw a lady, I forget what she is, but she's like African-American studies or something like that. She says, no, keep it in. Because then that forces you to address, the, address it in context. And I respect that. Just like in this movie, if you take it out, you get to pretend it never happened. Yeah. You know? But if you say like, oh, this happened and this is why we shouldn't do this anymore, it forces you to address it. And I don't I prefer that than running from it because it was it was jarring yeah. <laughs> at first. It was pretty jarring how casually I think I just wrote uh casual racism <laughs> from New York Italians, age poorly or not. <laughs> um Yeah. So uh it starts with um John Travolta as Tony, uh, staying alive starts the starts the film. One of the better things, would you say? I understand why it was, why it's an iconic opening, why it's moved, yeah. it's used so much with someone walking with confidence down the street. Mm, yeah, you hear that song. It yeah. just there's just a a connection to the song, and it's. Um, 
Yeah, and with the theme of the song, you know, it's like, you know, doing what you can to, to stay alive. I'm, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself while I'm here, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's to see that like it all comes together as far as when you see that kind of scene in other movies with that song, it's about someone walking with confidence. I mean, I, I feel like you could only look so cool carrying a can of paint, but <laughs> well, he's, he's got the but hair. I mean, he he's basically hair, he's dressed a leather up. jacket. Like, like he's going out. He's going out, but it's like in the afternoon. It's like two in the afternoon or something. I, and I've seen that scene, but I never realized he was on his way to a paint store. Yeah. <laughs> I figured he was on his way to dance. Like, but no, he's on his way to work. Uh, With just all the gravitas. Yeah, you know, and he's he's doing all the the normal young man things. He, you know, he's checking out the ladies on the street. Mm -hmm. You know, he stops to get a couple of slices of pizza. Um, you know, it's, I've never seen someone do that before. Eat two at the same time. Yeah, that that's got to be a New York thing. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> that's why they make it so thin so they can do that, right? <laughs> like, that was so weird. Um. So yeah, there's it, just the contrast of him like carrying that can of paint, like he's you know the way he's dressed, but, you know, he's a working man <laughs> kind of thing. So, working man, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> in a way, yeah. But, I mean, he sees himself as, you know, as a star, as something bigger. But over the yeah. course of the film, we find out he doesn't, he's not sure what that is yet. But no. he knows that he wants to do something. It's just a matter of, like, figuring that out. So, in a way, it's also a coming-of-age uh, type of film. Um, mm -hmm. Also, when he's getting dressed, ready to go out, um, all the seventies culture. Uh, yeah, Rocky. Stuff that a young man in the seventies would have in his room. He's got the Rocky poster. He's got the Bruce Lee poster. He's got a Wonder Woman poster. He's got an Al Pacino poster. He has. And for I feel like every every young man in the seventies. They all had that Farrah Fawcett poster. Oh yeah, they all had it. That or the was the Raquel Welch. Yeah, or that or that one. But that it, one. I, at the time, when after, but I think the Farrah Fawcett poster like oh like overtook that. Uh, that this... was that was that was the iconic poster in in a young man's bedroom. <laughs> um, so uh, he didn't want to come down for dinner. Because he didn't want to mess up his shirt. That was uh, hilarious, dude. <laughs> wraps himself in a tablecloth. <laughs> so he wraps himself in a tablecloth to cover it up. Um, had a little bit of domestic violence in there. Where yeah, so like I wrote uh, at the table. <laughs> casual domestic violence because he lost his job. And he hits Tony's hair and Tony don't like that. Apparently, that line was not written. That was a natural reaction from John Travolta, and they just left it in. <laughs> um, and they talked about uh, Frankie, Frankie Jr., um, yeah. where the mom wants to go back to the church to pray that Frankie Jr. calls her because he hadn't called her. And it was interesting to me that they had a picture of Frankie Jr. on the mantle and he's a priest. 
So is this the kind of I, I mean, I don't know about, you know, the working class Italian family dynamic necessarily. You know, I know it's more than, you know, what we see in the Sopranos or the Godfather or whatever. But for <laughs> the ones that become a priest, I just felt like with Frankie's character, even though we didn't get a whole lot from him, it was kind of mm -hmm. like, OK, he wants to leave. And we kind of don't understand why. We just know he wants to leave. Wants to do something. Yeah, else. they don't they don't really go very far there. Um, other than everyone just keeps calling him father and he's like, I'm not, Yeah, he seems very adamant that he's not that anymore. Um, and there are a few, there's, there were areas here where I felt like uh, there are a lot of places for the movie. There wasn't a ton of development in some areas. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like you gotta, kinda, you gotta use that two hours a little bit better. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so he, with but with seeing that picture on the mantle, it was like he's the shining star of the family, and oh, because yeah. that's how the the parents look at him. So Tony is thinking he he's wondering how he's looked at by his family. Mm -hmm. That he's not anything because he's not doing the Lord's work, and yeah. I think they kind of prop up Frank Jr. as this shining light that's going to save them all. Yeah. That was well, they say that, like, you'll always be a working man if you're a priest. When they, he said, they said that line yeah. to him. So. And so it's, I, I, the only thing I can think of as far as <clears> with <throat> Frank Jr. is that his, he became a priest because it would please his parents. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And um, while you know they're proud of him, I I just think he would just wasn't happy. No, he just wasn't happy. So he he had the he felt he needed to move on. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, well, like to, with the the casual racism, I was not expecting the the <clears throat> slurs with the Tony and his friends. Um, yeah, but I did feel like that's. That's maybe why Quentin Tarantino cast him in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> like he's comfortable saying these words. Uh, and I mean, yeah. If you and if you think about it as well, back then, of course. I, I, once again, I, I don't know how Italians in the seventies were acting in New York, but this was probably accurate. You know, it's probably accurate, and I got no problem with that if it's accurate. Um. So the first scene when they go to the club titled the, the club, uh, 2001 Odyssey, that's the name of the club. We get the Walter Murphy needle drop. <laughs> uh, Walter Murphy, the song, he had the song, uh, fifth of Beethoven, which is a disco remix of, uh, Beethoven's fifth symphony. And, um, he is also the music composer for family guy. <laughs> Stop it, Walter Murphy's? Yeah. I so that, know that. Do you remember the the I can't remember I don't know exactly what episode it was, but there's a scene where it's like Peter, Cleveland, Quagmire, and Joe are at the skating rink and they were supposed to be somewhere, but they're at the skating rink. Oh I remember that. And they're, this, this and they're skating to Fifth of Beethoven. And I was like, that's and I I just put it together that oh, that's Walter Murphy. Oh, he that's it was the same. I found There's it was the same. Walter okay. Murphy. So yeah. 
That's hilarious. Yeah, they were supposed <laughs> to pick up Meg, and they forgot her. Yeah. And she was mad. <laughs> yeah. So, so we get the Walter Murphy needle drop in the club. Uh, there was an editing mistake. <laughs> Uh, when they're going through, you know, they're, you know, they're, uh, everyone's like greeting them with all that. And he walked past one guy and then there was a, and then they went to another shot and they came back to him walking through the crowd and you see a guy say, Hey man, how's it going? It was the same guy. It was that like same exact shot. The first time he didn't say anything. Hmm. And then the second time you hear, Hey, how's it going? But it was the same exact shot. <laughs> I don't even think I picked up on that. Um. Yeah, hmm. I, when I saw, it, I was like, "Wait, what, what? That was the same guy. He just walked past that guy, and he literally walked past him again." Um. So, uh, well, as I, maybe this is part of the pre two thing that um that you mentioned. <laughs> the way that women are treated in this film is uh. So it was just of its to time. talk about that. <laughs> To talk about that, and I got this from from IMDb, and this came from an interview with him, with John Travolta. And he said, um, to research his character, John Travolta would sneak into 2001 Odyssey with Norman Wexler. So great was his popularity from Welcome Back, Carter, they had to disguise himself in dark glasses and a hat. However, before he was spotted, he watched the faces, the cool, aggressive dancers the article was based on, concentrating on every detail of their behavior. When he was recognized, quote, hey, man, hey, it's fucking Travolta. Because <laughs> I just imagine him saying that. Um, the actor noticed how the disco alpha males kept their girls in line. Ooh. Their girlfriends would come up and they'd say, hey, stay away from him. Don't bug Travolta. And they'd actually push the girls away. Tony Manero's whole male chauvinist thing I got from watching those guys in the discos. So he did some method acting right there. Yeah, bordering on that Sean Penn. <laughs> so, see, no, see, Sean Penn would have gone to, he would have gone the next step. He would have gone another step. Like, uh, he would actually beat his girlfriend. <laughs> well, not in real life, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> he went a little too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, um the try hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh so um Annette who is clearly in love with Tony. Um Jesus Christ, she has the like I don't know how she survived the movie. Yeah. Her arc is tragic. Well, second place tragic. I think I wrote that Annette was thirstier than a man in the desert dying of thirst. Like, she's just, like, just the level, like, that is the inventor of the thirst trap. Like, just, what do you want? Like, she'll do it. And uh, him saying that uh, you're not my dream girl, and then they still walk out to the dance floor. (laughs) Like, have some respect, woman. Like, I didn't, I figured he would just leave her alone. He's like, you're not my dream girl. And I was like, okay, that's going to be the end of their interaction. It's like, nope, let's go out here and like a pity dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay, so uh, back to the because I saw this on the the X ray thing on Prime that um, at the be at the beginning the first scene where he's walking down with the can of paint the when he stops for pizza the girl serving the pizza is John Travolta's sister. Oh, really? Okay, I had read that she was starring. Ro- I didn't know that was her. Yeah. And uh, when he gets to the store with the can of paint, because apparently he, I, I, they, they said it, it wasn't, if you didn't hear it, you missed it. Apparently he went to another <laughs> store to get that can of paint. That was hilarious. <laughs> and, <so> they, <laughs> and overcharged. And <laughs> to make a profit. But the woman buying the can of paint is John Travolta's mother. <clears throat> Good for him. All right. So he got the family involved uh, on that. Um. So uh, after dancing with Annette comes to sit back down and uh, another girl comes over and says, can I wipe your forehead? And so I think I wrote it th- at that point. Um, is Tony the shit at this place? <laughs> superstar. The superstar. Like they just like paint, like paint cells with my day. <laughs> <laughs> Badass dancer by night. I was like, he is, I wrote, he is their God. Like who I can I wipe your forehead, Bruh. That's just that's superstar. That is that's <laughs> that is the level I guess we all attain. We we wish to attain. Uh, Man. So uh, apparently, some Latin music is played, and uh, if you've heard some of the slurs used earlier in the film, uh, they don't want to dance to that, or maybe they can't. They are so, unable. I wrote a Tony can't go left. <laughs> that says <laughs> he's got a he's got a lane that he sticks in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can he can have that left hand. So you know, basketball <laughs> fans will know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's when he sees uh, Stephanie for the first time, and um, sees that she's a good dancer at least. Yeah. Um, so, um, in earlier in the scene, they talk about you know if they meet a girl, they can take her back to the car for, and they got a time. Oh break. Jesus! Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, so, um, one of them comes in. He's like, Double J's been in there for twenty five minutes, and so they go out to the car. Double J is doing his thing and it's like he clearly does not have performance anxiety because they stand no. by the car and watch. And he just keeps going. He just keeps going. He's like, I'm almost done. Yeah. It's like a performance. So he's like, he no distractions. Double, <laughs> no Double distractions. J, as we later learn, is a menace. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, so that's why there was no Not performance anxiety. <clears throat> um, yeah. Oh, so I'm trying to think. Was this that was after they danced to Night Fever, right? Or was yeah. that before? So I did look up the dance that they were doing to Night Fever. It is called the Brooklyn Shuffle. Hmm. That's the that's the name of the dance. So I think there were a lot of those like shuffles and hustles. <clears throat> Variations oh, yeah. of those dances during that time. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Also, 
made a note here too. So like, and I wish I would have written them all down, but like right after a fifth of Beethoven is played, we get Disco Inferno. Like yeah. all the disco classics. Like this dude was like just a playing lot of them were all on this the soundtrack. Heat. The songs we immediately yeah. associate with that era are on this soundtrack. He was he was <laughs> dropping heat in the club. <laughs> like he was like it was there was some heat being dropped. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other songs that were played. I can't think of them off the top of my head now. Um A Night Fever, what more than a woman was a um a major Pete that was the dance that was the song that uh yeah. Tony and Stephanie danced to at the competition. If I can't yeah. have you came up a couple of different times. Yeah, that came up that night too, because the go-go dancer or yeah. whatever she was was dancing to that. Yeah. Um Yeah. Some great great freaking songs. Yeah. Um so um then uh Tony gets a raise at work. Um and then we get that. That's a weird, that's a weird scene. That's a weird scene. Like, <laughs> like I'm giving you a raise. Oh, great, cool. Like, all right, I'll give you more. All right, that's awesome. Okay, just my leg. Here's more. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Like, do you want him to be miserable? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't get it. Um. So when Tony gets home, uh, the parents and grandma look shell shocked. Uh, because Frank has come by, um, and he says he's leaving the church. Yeah, and like you said, I don't really know why, um, but I think part of it is that he just he's unhappy and he feels like he's not living life. Yeah, uh, I think that was part of it. Um, so. Uh, the whole thing with Stephanie and Tony, like with their first date or whatever that, that was, was supposed to be. That was just weird. Like y'all have nothing in common. Nothing. No. And maybe part of it is like, is he trying to force this relationship? Is that how it's being written? Or do these two not actually have any chemistry on screen? But it was more, they don't have chemistry like that as characters <laughs> as characters as well but off off the dance floor anything off the dance floor oh yeah it's no just awkward at all on the dance yeah. floor everything's great yeah um kind of have an, had an annoying voice too like just very to stephanie yeah like it was it was kind of grating to hear her talk yeah and i was kind of just wondering like is she capping the whole time about like so who okay so office? Like, that is well because like, you know who I of right they reminded me of Nikki from West Georgia <laughs> just like name dropping for no reason <laughs> talk about how she goes to Atlanta all the time like it's just like who are these people and why should I care <laughs> like she's name dropping like famous Joe Namath came by the office today like did he really David Bowie did he really <laughs> Andy said his name wrong and then they dropped a slur. <laughs> just like Eric Clapton was there, just like just casually just dropping names. Um. So she's trying to have something in her life, I, I would assume. But yeah, I just don't know if she was telling the truth about any of that stuff. Nah, I, I, I don't know. I think I feel like at least if I'm writing this, 
I'm having her do this to make it seem like she's lying. But yeah. she's dropping these names to try to maybe to impress him or something. But then it seems like he's so like in the movie <laughs> he's 19, she's 20. She's actually nine years his senior in real life as a, as a person, mm. which is crazy. Um, why is she trying to impress this guy who's younger than her? Like, it just seems like it, it. the whole thing seemed forced. He was just like, I need a dance partner. You're the best. And then he kind of starts to fall for her. Or she's trying to um, prop herself up as being better than him. Yeah, that's I got that as well. So, that, that yeah, that's what I got from it. Um, yeah. I think at that point, maybe Tony does have the realization that he's not really doing anything with his life. With his life? Yeah. Jinx. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, so, um, yeah, Gus gets beat up and they have to deal with that. Um, that was weird. Yeah. Like, that was... I. So, that's another one of those things that, that whole sequence, him getting beat up, them getting revenge, like all of that felt completely underdeveloped. And this is a two hour movie and you couldn't find anywhere to maybe just kind of hint at it a little bit. Like you just, and it happens off screen. And I, I, it's yeah. just weird. It was just, yeah, it was just weird. Um, maybe, I don't know if it was that deleted scene or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Again, this was, you saw this in the first dinner scene, but you see it again later. Uh, Frank Jr., his picture on the mantle is just weird to me. <laughs> like how the like how the family views him, well, the parents specifically, how they view him. And that, I don't know, maybe it's like because he's a priest and, you know, that's kind of their, that, that's their in with God. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean... Like we said, we don't know a ton about working class Italian families, but everything I've ever seen shows me that they're extremely religious. Yeah. You know, she, at the beginning when she's going to the church, she's like, weren't you there earlier? I went for confession. Now I'm going back to pray for Frank to call. It's like twice in a day on a weekday. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just wild to me. So, yeah. Um. So, uh during this interaction with, with Tony and Stephanie, where he wants her to be uh, his dance partner for the competition, um, he has to break the news to Annette. And <laughs> it's all the subtlety of a bull just doesn't care. Yeah, because it's it's clear that she's in love with him. And I feel like he was. um he just he just wasn't interested but because of what Annette what he said like on their first date on their only date that they went on she just talked about her sisters her married sisters and that she wants to be that too um she's found the guy that she wants to marry but yeah he's not interested in her how long have they known each other? Is she like, why is she so intent on marrying him? Cause yeah. it seems out of the blue. Cause she seems like another, she seems like one of the ones from the club. Yeah. You know, like for all intents and purposes, it looks like this is the only place I ever see you never talk. Like, oh, you want to marry me? <laughs> you're throwing yourself, you're throwing yourself me. 
now that we're not dance partners, that means we can make it. And he's like, no. <laughs> she's like, is this my like end they, now? Like, no. She, she, she's, she is terrible at math. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just oh. looking for that. Just. How oh, it's because we're dance partners that we can't get married. Okay, we're not dance partners there anymore, so we can get married now, right? <clears throat> like are you, it's like no, two plus no, two is Abraham Lincoln. Like that, <laughs> that's where this is going. So is he gonna fish yet or wedding? <laughs> <laughs> it was the craziest thing ever. Like she was, she's those characters that like takes women back. You know, like, mm. <laughs> like come on, you can't be that desperate. Yeah. Um, and he's just trying to like say like he was saying no, but she wasn't getting the the, the hand on that. Yeah. So and and it was another thing. It wasn't like he was leading her on. He was. He not. was very clear. He he never very led clear. her on at all. Um, she just heard what she wanted. Yeah. Uh. Well, like I mentioned before, outside of dancing, everything between Tony and Stephanie is just awkward. Uh, they kind are... of turn games on him as well, you know. Yeah, like he's showing interest, and she's kind of playing that like, uh, you should have asked me instead of like, you know, you should have just did it instead of asking to walk <laughs> me home because he asked her like twice or something, and she says no, and then the second time she's like, you should have just did it instead of asked, and he's like, you know, she got me. <laughs> that leads to a, another conversation that we will we will get to. Um, so, uh, Tony goes back to 2001 and this time he brings Frankie, uh, and Frankie, uh, I guess his, his new lease on life, <laughs> whatever he's going to be doing. Frankie wore a tie <laughs> and a sweater. He'd been wearing that collar for a long time. He don't know how to dress he in don't, places. He don't know. I, <laughs> he was don't like, know. I was like, you didn't help like, him. Uh, he don't know. <laughs> Frank, you know, Tony you didn't help Frank. Kind <laughs> of look like an accountant. Like, <laughs> you gotta help your brother, man. So I was wondering, like, is um, is this is this environment a little overwhelming for Frankie to be like, kind of like jumping into the deep end on? He looked know? the whole time, like good on. I, I forget the name of the guy who played him, but he just looked excited to be there with yeah, his brother. Yeah. He he did yeah he did look like he was having a good time, um, it but I think it when did he seem like to, that's a bit much though right just throw yeah, him in there <laughs> I I I think when he wanted to leave you know he saw his brother dance and he was you know he he saw how great he was and everything I think he just wanted to leave because like this is all is this is overstimulating and <laughs> yeah <laughs> all these bright lights and this music it's 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 a bit much. loose women <laughs> and before that, all before that they just all want to be my brother like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's gonna be weird uh before leaving uh bobby c um awkwardly asked uh frank about basically could if he if his girlfriend got an abortion could he be like forgiven by, by the, the church pope. by the pope so uh, yet another storyline that just out of left field yeah because we we don't we never see the girlfriend right 
and we don't see any of the conflict like with Bobby. We see it on his face, but we don't see it otherwise. Well, like I think he's dealing the, with all these things off screen. I think the focus of this movie is so hyper and laser focused on Tony. Like, I can't think of anything else that happens with other characters that Tony doesn't witness. Yeah. Or Tony's not in, at least in the room for. So, I mean, I, and I think that's why it feels so underdeveloped in some places, because maybe this is supposed to be all just from the eyes of Tony. You know, I don't know. But like that just comes out of left field. Like, hey, can we get my girlfriend an abortion? Like, whoa, fa- fa- father, father. It's like Frank. Uh, yeah, Frank, fr- father. father. <laughs> he just keeps calling. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, and then I wondered, like, I think one of them danced, and another one. It was like that line dancing. I can't remember what song it was. If it was a. Uh, it might have been night fever. I'm not sure. What the Brooklyn Shuffle dance? Yeah, where it was like a like a line dance. Yeah, that was night fever. Okay, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I was just wondering: <clears throat> Do they go to the club and just watch Tony dance? <laughs> Probably. It seems that way because I've never. I don't remember like any of them getting dancing. up. <laughs> like he, they like they get there. He and he immediately beelines to the dance floor and just like get this is the drink I want just have it sitting here for me and I, do we ever see me even drink the drink like it's <laughs> no we don't see they just anybody. sit there i don't think we th- see anybody drink i, I don't remember they just Maybe do dr- well in the car in the, in the car they're the drinking car. And, and doing bumps and and taking pills like they were the most reckless teenagers <laughs> <laughs> young adults ever man um yeah it was like, yeah they just go to watch him um i guess that's something to do uh, so, yeah. um, Fran Drescher, pre, pre nanny, pre nanny Fran Drescher, yeah. um, uh, comes up and, um, they go out to the dance floor and if you see when they walk out to the dance floor, she puts her hand on his butt mm-hmm. and, um, they, I think that was an idea of John Travolta <laughs> and the director, uh, was his name John Batum to to try that because it was like that's something that her character would do, and they did that <laughs> and then they left it in the movie. <laughs> um. So uh, during the the solo scene, one of the other famous scenes from the film, the solo scene where he's dancing to, you should be dancing. I think so. He just took over the dance floor, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was just him out there. Um, the studio wanted to shoot that scene like uh, with a close up of him, and mm-hmm. he threatened to leave. He threatened to quit the film if they did oh, not wow. shoot. If they did not uh, have a full body shot of him because he had worked so hard <laughs> on <laughs> on all uh, on the choreography for that, he worked so hard on it. It's like y'all go do close ups. I will walk. <laughs> I wrote hey. that down because that's something I've heard you say a lot. Like, as far as like, if someone's to leave, like, I will walk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a good scene. Is it, it? It stood out. I thought it was better than the final scene, honestly. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, no, I I thought it was a crazy scene. Like he was he he danced his ass off. Um. So we uh. Yeah, so he he threatened to quit over that scene, um, and then they go out to the bridge. I, that scene scared me, dude. I I I, I ain't like that scene. I ain't like that. That's dangerous. They they're they are reckless, dude. They are so yeah. reckless. It's 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 one of those things like when you're 19. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those moments where you just feel invincible. Yeah, I think everyone when they're 19 has those kinds of moments where they do something ridiculous like that. Oh, I did so many dumb things. <laughs> so many. Uh, so yeah, it it was just one of those kinds of one of those kinds of moments. Um, I thought something was going to happen, and then that was a false alarm for the next time they're at the bridge. Yeah, um, me too. So again, I wrote well, especially his, when they jumped down though in the middle of that thing. Yeah, to make her yeah scare the crap out of her was who that was Annette with them that right? Was Annette, yeah, Annette. Yeah. She she ain't like that. She ain't like that. <laughs> um, again, I ask: Is Stephanie Cappen or what? What what? I yeah. Is she? I I I just felt like she was because it was like every other sentence. Guess who came to the office today? <laughs> and um, they were at White Castle. Yeah. And that one scene, that next scene, yeah, that was great. I, I wanted some White Castle after that. <laughs> um, so Tony was going to help her move, apparently. Um, maybe he thought that was his way in. Uh, and, uh, that's, that's what we call simping. <laughs> that, that's straight simping. That's, yeah. Uh, so I... I didn't know that's what he needed the the afternoon off for, and so, yeah, basically quit his job. Yeah, the guy was like, "If that, you leave, you're fired." That makes it even more uh, more simpery. Is <laughs> <laughs> he quit his job to help her move? Like now, what you gonna do? And then when he get there, there's another man, and he and he's just standing there. Like he wants to, I was like, he wants to fight this dude. <laughs> Tony wants to fight this guy. So it's like, what? It, it looked like he, I'm a swing on him. I'm a swing. <laughs> he gets all mad. Who is he? Then I'm like, okay, Stephanie's a survivor. Like whoever she got to go to to get what she need, that's what she going to do. So. This was pre-Kelly in Breaking. I said Kelly used the men in her uh, life. Yep, That's what Stephanie's yep. doing. <laughs> yep. Maybe they wrote, they based her off of, you know. Um, so uh, they get back to the um, yeah, when uh, Tony gets back to the store uh, I think. Just, yeah, he gets his job back. He gets his job back. <laughs> like his, I was like, charmed life. Just kept his job. Just, nothing bad happened uh, to Tony. <laughs> but Bobby C, on the other hand, is going through it. He's going through it, man. Yeah, this pregnancy side plot, man. 
that we don't see yeah. or don't know anything else about other than from what he says. Um, yeah. That's, uh, I, I, that's all I could say at that point is that he's, he's going through it right now. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, more awkwardness with Annette because yeah. Tony comes out the studio and here comes Annette. Oh, she's got, uh, condoms now because he wouldn't do it with her earlier because he's like are you he said are you fixed or something like what did I he think, say are you yeah he's saying fixed as if if she's uh, uh, on the pill or a diaphragm pill, or something or using a diaphragm using an IUD how 70s is this movie <laughs> um, and she's got none of them so she was like aha she was she prepared. shows up with condoms she at, but at that point, she was prepared. She was prepared to get pregnant by Tony. Oh, she was gonna go. She was she gonna was, do it. She, yeah, yeah, she was yeah. like, I don't care. She, that's what? what. That's what her plans were. What are yeah. his plans? I don't she know. But those are her plans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I guess that's just you know ca- Italian Catholics. You get her pregnant, you got to marry her. Because that's Bobby that's C's what whole Bobby thing. C's like, going through. should that's I marry? <laughs> so he's like, if Tony was one of me. <laughs> Boom, marriage. And Tony's like, nah, dude. Nah, it ain't. Oh, First man. to be gone. So uh they find the the gang that allegedly beat up Gus. This uh, is where I said that double J is a menace. Yeah. Like that happens because double J is like, gun it! <laughs> like just crashes into the freaking headquarters of the Barracudas, and then it's just an all-out brawl. Yeah. How did none of them die? <laughs> they were clearly outnumbered. And the girlfriend that was there was willing to help. So. A real one, of course. Yeah, she really was, bro. <laughs> she really was. She 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 held her own. <laughs> she did until dude just came in, like picked her up and you know. But yeah, she was she got in a few licks. <laughs> um when they go to visit Gus in the hospital. I guess the way they look, because his face still looks swollen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's got a broken leg and all that. Like he looked like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> a, little a little bit. bit. I can see <laughs> that. Bit. I can see that. Uh, but then they find out that uh, he's like, uh, it might not have been them. It's I, like, I, bruh, do you know what we just did? <laughs> you, <laughs> do you know do, what we just do, did? Do you see my face? Do you see my face right now? <laughs> we did this for you. Because you, you said. Because you said. See, it showed that and they were real friends. This is a maybe you said th- this shows that they were real friends because they're. He's like, yeah, it was them. Like, all right, on site, it's on site. When, when yeah, we see basically. <laughs> and it was on he, site. He put that switchblade out, <laughs> like he's in the Outsiders. <laughs> and they went in and did it. And like, I mean, I said, I, I said it was. I thought it was them. I mean, I, I thought. You don't even know. He's like, I gotta break your leg. I gotta break your broken leg right now. (laughs) Oh man, that felt that that line felt improvised. Yeah, (laughs) that felt felt true anger coming out. Like, like they didn't know that he was gonna say maybe, and they were just really mad. (laughs) So yeah, that was that was pretty funny though. I I enjoyed that scene thoroughly. Um, then um. 
I think Bobby C. I think he says, "Yeah, we got messed up for you." And like, uh, yeah, some of us. No, you, like, bro, you backed out, like, and drove around the block. I mean, cool, you got the car, but I mean, we could have used your help in there. Yeah, because essentially they were already outnumbered, even with him. Yeah. He leaves. It's like two for every one of them. <laughs> um, and they were scrapping, bro. They were scrapping. Uh, so um, Stephanie and Tony, and this was before the dance competition, interestingly enough. <laughs> that they yeah. Was, so he's still and, going and right after the they dance. Go to the, yeah. Hey, it's all in the Saturday night, baby. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I think the song choice for Stephanie and Tony was eh. the dance was a letdown. Yeah, I, I mean the, all this hype is so much. The black couple before them, I think they were dancing to uh, "KG" by MFSB, mm-hmm. a, a high energy yeah. uh, song, and then the couple after them, they were dancing to. Um, I can't remember what song they were dancing to. I don't know if it was Calypso Breakdown or it was an instrumental, but it was like a Latin Latin number. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was high it's a high energy, and then they danced to more than a woman. I can't remember, was it the Bee Gees version or the Tavares <laughs> version? Um, in this case, they danced to the Bee Gees version at the okay. end of the movie. Okay. So and, and that's a yeah. It was just uh, it was. I felt I mean, like it was, was supposed to be this romantic moment, yeah. But that wasn't, the, in my opinion, that's not the place for it. Yeah. You know, the romantic moment could have happened afterwards, but as you have pointed out, they seem to have chemistry nowhere else than other on the dance floor. So where else are you going to have them have that moment other than the dance floor? Because afterwards, you know, it basically is just Tony standing there looking mad and Stephanie looking like she's just trying not to make him upset. So. She talks about Joe Namath. Like, it's the weirdest, the, the, just the weirdest relationship. Because he even says he likes her when she's quiet. I was like, then you don't like her. <laughs> you don't like her. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, more more casual slurs, even though he was complimenting the couple that should have won the dance. The backhanded compliments, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, at least he admitted it, you know, like. I was like the Puerto Rican couple. They, I was like, they look like pros. Like that's, yeah. I guess they're the people he was talking about. That you know, there's gonna be people in here from Manhattan. You know, um, I'm guessing they were the people in here from Manhattan because um, they did the damn thing. And Tony knew he was like, this is rigged. <laughs> As they, they call it in the in the sports, they call it some home cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no way he should have won that, and he knew it and. He went over there. It was funny. He didn't even try to trade the first prize for the second prize. He just gave it to him. He just gave it to him. (laughs) Didn't even ask. Here, just take it. You earned it. You you guys were better. Yeah, here here you go. Maybe next time for us. I don't know. As he just insults them (laughs) with his ethnic slurs. Um, So... uh, they go Here's out to the car, dark. and this is where it gets dark. <laughs> oh uh, God! <clears throat> um, or for those who are, you know, going to be more 
I mean, we could be straightforward with this. It got really rapey at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Very rapey at the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, she starts crying at one point. So, like, she lets the first guy do it, but then the second guy, she's protesting and he keeps going. He does not. Yeah. He starts crying. And I, when they got to the bridge, I figured she was going to run out of the car and jump. Yeah, going back to the bridge, I figured like, okay, if we have a second scene here, someone's jumping. Yeah. Someone's going to jump. I figured it'd be her, you know? Yeah. Um, I figured she wouldn't be able, to, be able to live with herself. Tony's insulting you, basically. Like, you've sullied yourself in front of in front of the man that you want to marry for some reason. And um, I figured that's the end for me. I'm run and just jump off that bridge. Uh, but yeah. that ended up being Bobby C, uh, who is just completely despondent. Um, <clears throat> he uh, doesn't know what he was going to do about his girlfriend. He doesn't want to marry her, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, just feels like life is over at age 19. Um, Tony did promise to. Yeah, Tony did promise to call him. Uh, but he never did, apparently. Yeah. Um, so it's just like he's, he felt like he was out of options. Yeah. He didn't, didn't think he was getting the support he needed from his religion or from his friends. Yeah. And. But yeah. while I think he may have wanted to hurt himself, I think when, okay, spoiler alert, everyone. I mean, this movie came out 46 years ago. But oh Jesus, <laughs> um, oh, man, Bobby, I think I think he slipped. He didn't jump. He slipped. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, <sighs> he slipped, but he was being reckless. So yeah, yeah. You know, so that his I mean, friends are trying to talk say, him off. You hear them say later when they're talking to the police, like he killed himself without actually killing himself. Like, yeah, it's like he did it, but maybe you just making it seem like he didn't like he wasn't trying to do it. I mean, and as being as religious as he clearly is, you know, that's considered a sin. Yeah. So maybe he's like, if I just act reckless and oops, I fell. That's the way of, you know, then they can't not say doing it. They can't mm -hmm. say I actually did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So does it make it any less dark though? No, it doesn't. And then, you know, with um <clears throat> with Double J raping a debt, uh mm -hmm. Tony uh almost raping Stephanie, and then Bobby C oh, yeah, falling yeah. off the bridge. This all happened in a span of like in movie time, like five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it it just looked like it took the darkest turn you could imagine, um, and I'm surprised that didn't like that wasn't talked about more in this movie. Like typically in a movie when something like that happens and things turn that dark, that's a that's a that's a thing that's an issue. In this movie, like this movie's been around as you said for forty something years, never even heard about it before. No. So that that 
it's <clears throat> that part of the movie and it's kind of the climax of the movie isn't talked about much. What's going to be brought yeah. up is the music, the soundtrack, um, John Travolta's dancing, his costume, the white suit in particular, um, mm-hmm. and the multicolored dance floor. Yeah, the way in which they talk about that part as much, A, you would have thought the dance would have been better. B, you wouldn't think that he would give the trophy away. Like, I figured the movie would end there. Yeah. Like, I won the contest. Yay, we celebrate and, you know, fade to black roll credits. And truthfully, I probably would have ended there. I don't, I just really don't think you needed after that. Like, everything after that was, to me, was kind of wasted. Yeah, I, I think maybe I don't know if there was an effort to try to make it more, more dramatic or to add more of a. Let's we got to have a gut punch of a yeah, moment. I don't know um, for this uh, for this story. Um, you know, because it didn't. Maybe it didn't add up. Like, well, we can't have Stephanie and Tony end up together because they clearly. Out, like we said, outside of the dance floor, there's yeah. they have nothing in common. Nothing. <laughs> and he can't yeah. deal with Annette because he doesn't love her at all. Um, he actually seems like he dislikes her. Yeah. <laughs> um, his brother leaves the church and then leaves to go find himself or wherever he went. Yeah. Like, how do we... <clears throat> We got to have all these things happen at one time, and then Tony comes to some uh, some kind of revelation. Because after this, then he apparently sits all night on the subway, rides the subway yeah. all night. <clears throat> um, with how deep is your love playing in the background? Like, I, yeah, the placement of that song is kind of off for me. Um, and but then interestingly enough, like and let's also not forget here, like what just like talk about what happened up to Bobby C falling off the bridge. And then Tony leaves to get on the subway by himself. He left a net <laughs> with yeah. Double J and Joey. He left her with him. With her with her or her agitators, her her aggressors, if you will. <laughs> what? Tony's what? an ass. Tony's an <laughs> asshole. Tony is not a good person. I don't think we're supposed to like. I don't know, if, and I don't know if people. I pray to God, like, if I ever meet anyone who says they identify with him, run. <laughs> They're not a good person. They don't care about anyone but themselves. Um, yeah, Tony was self obsessed. He was a chauvinist, and clearly just did not care about the well being of anyone. Like that was yeah. that was that was I did I didn't even think about that that he literally just left her there with the people who just sexual assaulted sexually assaulted her he just left her good luck <laughs> yeah I, I gotta go think all night and then go see my that, girl in Manhattan. that is that is one of that that's one of uh, that's one of the mysteries of of the film that we never. It was never addressed again. I don't think it was addressed in the sequel, Staying Alive. Yeah, they, they probably did something to her after he left. Yeah. Because they had the car. <laughs> oh, wow. 
God. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Um, no, honestly, though, in all seriousness, I feel you could have, you could have ended the movie after the dance scene and used because that was what an extra almost ten to fifteen minutes on the end. You could have yeah. used that to develop other parts of the movie. Yeah, you could have used that to show you know to show us a little bit more of what Bobby C is going through. You could have shown um, was it Gus getting beat up by the Barracudas or whoever. You know, you could have shown um, maybe a little bit more of how he got to know Annette and why she's so obsessed with him. There's you know these other things, or maybe even dive a little bit more into Frank. Like there's you know you spent 15 minutes just to be like Haha, dark. Edgy, yeah. Suicide, sexual assault. I mean, it may, it may have been movies like um, Butch Cassidy or The French Connection mm-hmm. or Midnight Cowboy mm-hmm. where it felt like we had to put some kind of we got to have some kind of dark twist to this. Uh, a seemingly lighthearted movie. Well, French Connection, it's it's one of those first, one of the first like action action movies. Mm-hmm. Um but Midnight Cowboy seemed like an X-rated comedy for about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last 30 minutes, oh, he's dying. This guy's dying. Uh, let's try to get to Florida. Oh nope! Now he now he dies. Before, he dies on the bus on the way there. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's yeah. So the way the film ended, you know, it and I, I like I hadn't seen the the film before, and because of what happened, like there's a reason why people don't really talk about it very much. They they talk about all the other stuff in the film, yeah. Except for that, yeah. Um, so Tony finds his way back to Stephanie's place, and he knows he wants to change his life, and but he just doesn't know how. And yeah. they he wants them to be friends. I don't know how that would even work with them them even being friends. Not even like yeah. in a relationship, but even being friends. Like y'all don't have anything. There's just common. nothing there. Nothing there. So um maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe it's because, you know, he he's uh he realizes he needs to there's some maturing to be done or what mm-hmm. have you, but other than that, I okay. So <laughs> it's kinda like <laughs> it's kind of like the the film just ends after all that. Then it just ends. Yeah, very anticlimactic. <laughs> uh, there's no. Um, does he? You know, we don't know. Is he going to dance again? Is he going to? You know, uh, talk to the paint store manager about opening another location so he could run it or you know what I don't know what he's going to do with yeah. his life so now that would have been that would have been it because he seems to be doing very well there yeah so why not you know hey I can run your your um, paint store in Manhattan huh huh <laughs> <laughs> um so uh 
they said with this film, like, you know, the soundtrack is what it's, it's was most famous for. It is mm-hmm. in the uh, Library of Congress, just like Purple Rain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh John Travolta was nominated for uh, Best Actor at the Academy Awards. Um, he did not win. Let me see who he lost to. It wasn't Sylvester Stallone. Might have been, wasn't Pacino either. It was Richard Dreyfus for The Goodbye Girl. Never heard of it. That's one of those like weird comedies because I think it's a Neil Simon play and Mm -hmm. at the time in the 70s it was like if you look at like how many Academy Award nominations Woody Allen has it was kind of like if he wrote anything he was going to be nominated for an Oscar just I was like if Meryl Streep is in any movie automatic nomination like Neil Simon was in that was in that category for a while anything he wrote (laughs) was going to get nominated for an Oscar so yeah, it was one of those movies. Um, uh, the soundtrack, I think it won a Grammy for Album of the Year. Oh wow, really? I think it did. Let me check. Um, it is the second be- second best selling soundtrack album of all time. Behind the Bodyguard, another film we should probably do an episode on. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me check. I believe it won. Maybe it didn't win. No, it did. Yeah, Soundtrack won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Only disco album to do so, and only one of three soundtrack albums to be honored. Uh, it also won um, from the, it, it was nominated for six Grammys from the album. Uh, How Holy Deep crap. Is Your Love for Best Pop Vocal, uh, one album of the year, Best Pop Vocal uh, for the album, Best Arrangement of Voices, um, which is no longer an award, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it won for that for Staying Alive, uh, Barry Gibb, Albany, Galutin, and Carl Richardson were named Producer of the Year, and then it was inducted into the... Uh, Grammy Hall of Fame. The albums that it beat that year were Even Now by Barry Manilow, The Grease soundtrack, another film starring John Travolta, Running on Empty by Jackson Brown, and Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. Running on Empty. That's a classic right there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the if it was nominated for any other awards, let's see. Uh, yeah, the only uh, the only Oscar was nominated for for Best Actor, uh, also nominated for Best uh, for Golden Globes for Best Musical or Comedy. Uh, I guess it was considered a musical. Um, John Travolta was nominated for Best Actor. It was also nominated for Best Original Score and Best Original Song for How Deep Is Your Love. Um, I, I guess that was nominated because they used it the most in the in the movie. They, it was up. It came up a few mm-hmm. times. But um, I guess overall, with this film, you know, being like I said, it was a snapshot of the culture, the disco culture, 
Um, and the film is no, known more, known most for its music and kind of like the look of everything. But overall, as a film, I guess, what do you what do you think of it? I mean, it was it was dark. Some I will say it 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 um was sort of lagged in a couple of areas, and those are the areas where I felt like you could have used time to develop stuff. But I just I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of movies from that time, so I can't really you know speak to how dedicated they were to developing characters and things like that. So that might have just been how movies were made at the time. But I just felt like there was there was a lot of wasted time in that movie. Like, and just for scenery. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I think I made a note that, like, the New York in the 70s just looked fascinating. Like, it just looked... Parts looked like it, but it's just it was just so fascinating. And I, I always felt like that's where the love affair with New York came from, from the 60s and the 70s. Because now it's kind of like all corporate and kind of trashy. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, like, if anything, it felt like a love letter to New York and to the disco scene. That's, that's kind of what I got from it. Everything else was kind of, was kind of ancillary. It took a back seat. Yeah. Um... And Travolta definitely carried, he carried the movie. Well, yeah, he, he definitely did. Uh, you know, he, everything is being seen through through his eyes uh maybe uh, i guess the way we could look at it now if we're looking at it you know over 40 years later that um what does hold up is i think the appreciation of at least of the music of that time and how everything looked at the time um but the story the story itself the plot of the film if you can call it that uh, would be considered problematic today, and um, but I think if people could look at it, like kind of have, when I say have an appreciation for it, I guess I mean just more of an understanding, uh, mm-hmm. of what that time was, and what young people were, um what young people were experiencing. Because uh, I think, and even this was probably like 20 years after Saturday Night Fever. can't remember exactly what year it came out, but Son of Sam, the Spike Lee film, Son of Sam. I've always wanted to see that movie. It's It's kind of a, it's kind of putting Saturday Night Fever in a real life situation. In a hmm. way, in in some aspects, in in some aspects, where it's these people who like going out and you know enjoying their time, having a good time, going out dancing, but then there's this serial killer like terrorizing an entire city, a hmm. real life serial killer terrorizing yeah. an entire city. So it kind of changes the the um, it's just a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, and then also combine that with the um, another another film of, of disco culture that came out 20 years after is um, 54. Do you, 54. Wasn't Macaulay Culkin in that one? 
No, no. Fifty four was um it had Mike Myers as Steve Rubell, the owner uh, studio. I Rubell, remember this. Okay. And Ryan Phillippe. Um Selma Hayek. Ooh, okay. The and thing that Campbell? was like so bizarre to me, and it, it seemed like I turned I turned to the movie like twice watching it on TV. And it came on the same scene where um uh, I think her name's Ellen Ellen Dow. She was if you've seen the wedding singer, she was the the elderly woman that Adam Sandler was uh giving her singing lessons. Okay. Uh, for her anniversary party. So in 54, she plays someone named Disco Dottie, like this old woman at the club at <laughs> Studio 54. And she suddenly dies of like, I don't know if she had a heart attack or if it was a, an overdose or something. And she dies and falls on the floor and the lights come on and everyone's like kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people like get her off the floor. And then everyone goes back to dancing. The music comes back on. Oh, running. Jesus. Like nothing happened. Wow. Huh. So that is another snapshot of disco culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's another disco themed movie. I mean, there's, there's a Thank God It's Friday. Uh, which has um, Donna Summer, like Last Dance by Donna Summer. And I think that won an Oscar for Best Original Song. It was another one of those of the culture type films. But I think with this one, maybe they tried to like separate it from disco culture by adding those other storylines. But it kind of made for a clunky, a clunky climax, if you will. Yeah. But um, that will do it for our discussion on Saturday Night Fever. Uh, right as of right now, it's on Amazon Prime. If y'all want to watch it, um, and uh, let us know what you think, I suppose. So we'll get to um, my urm of the week in uh, listening to more uh, listening to more. Uh, of my alternative melodies playlist. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the song. I have like over 200 songs on this list now. <laughs> That's what the filter's for. So there's this song I listen to. Um, uh, it's a band called Wild Nothing. Okay. And I thought this song like came out maybe in the early eighties. It kind of give me vibes of uh uh Echo and the Bunny Men or The Killing Joke or um Psychedelic Furs, one of those kinds of mm. bands. But this album came out in twenty twenty. <laughs> so, oh wow. This is a song called uh Sleight of Hand. And uh yeah, it just sounded like it, it was made it came out in the eighties, so um, I, I I think it's cool. So I'm gonna play a sleight of hand by Wild Nothing. Wait, I meant to play it into the mixer. Let's try it again. 
this device. Okay, there we go. All right, so this is Sleight of Hand by Wild Nothing, and we'll be right back. So that is Sleight of Hand by Wild Nothing from their album Laughing Gas. Uh, you can find that on our Beats TYC Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now. So that will bring us to the end of this episode, episode 198. And um, what should we end the episode with, Ben? <laughs> we just trying to stay alive by Wyclef would be my vote. Ooh, that's a good one. All right. That's uh that's what got me into honestly, that's what got me into staying alive by the Bee Gees. A, a masterful sample in my opinion. Um let's see, that should have been on the carnival. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Yeah. All right, found it. All right. We Trying to Stay Alive by Wyclef featuring John Forte and the Imprisoned Prize. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this might be his oh, theme God. music. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's see what's we'll starting. There we go. All right, everyone, we thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you very, very soon.
Peace. Peace. Treat that ass a little kinda Every step tangoed Yo beef don't concern me I'm eating mangoes In Trinidad with attorneys My crew slang flow Worldwide like a current Went to every spot Where nobody got insurance Brother do the math You ain't half an exotic My man's claim true You forget about it Hope ho just a nuisance Like my influence Well recognized You alive trying to do it Got you told your lady Oops we nuts baby Smooth and charismatic Automatic you gon' save me God bless the dead As my son survived We strive to teach you baby and stay alive and live.